Welcome to the I'm Still Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow. I've been reading and studying the Bible my entire life, but I still have a lot of questions, and I'm still learning what it means. Each episode, we will take a look at what the Bible has to say and what it means to us today. Don't you love watching a video where someone is interacting with someone famous, but they have no idea of who they're talking to? You know that their conversation would go in a completely different direction if they knew who they were talking to. After Paul knew who Jesus really is, his talk about Jesus changed considerably. I'm calling episode 49, Know Who You're Talking To. Several years ago, I worked for a large manufacturing company. I had been given a promotion from a department head to assistant general manager. I knew my department well, and everyone in my department knew me, but I didn't know the other departments, and they didn't know me. One day early on, I was walking around a department on the other end of the building to familiarize myself with the other areas that I was now responsible for. As I wandered into one area, the team leader of that area told me I would have to leave. He said that he was in charge of this area, and he didn't allow unauthorized personnel to enter. I knew that he had no idea of who I was, and that I was completely authorized to be in his area. So, I just smiled and left. Soon after, he learned that I was the new assistant general manager, and the next time he saw me, he apologized and invited me to his area for a tour and told me that he would give me any information I requested. I told him that I respected his desire to protect his area, and I took him up on his offer. We were okay. I didn't feel disrespected because he didn't know who I was. Now, If he had continued to bar me from entering his area after knowing who I was, that would have been a different situation altogether. Last week, I talked about Paul's transformation that caused him to write this description of who Jesus is. Now, Paul had not known who Jesus was before his conversion, but now that he realized who Jesus was, he spent his life in service to him. Paul describes how Jesus has the authority to go anywhere, and he is worthy of all respect and honor. I'm going to read in Colossians, the first chapter, starting at verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight 
without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So what was Paul's reason for writing this? This church of Jesus Christ was new, and there was a lot to figure out. And folks came from outside the family of believers who tried to explain or to capitalize on this new movement. Some wanted to sow confusion. Some wanted to profit from it. Some wanted to stop it outright, and some wanted to add things to it to make it more palatable for themselves. Any time that there is something valuable, there will be counterfeits. Some will try to co-opt the new movement for their own purposes. There was a group called the Gnostics who were causing confusion by claiming to have special knowledge. And even though their philosophy sounded like something holy and righteous, this special knowledge they claimed to have denied that Jesus was our Savior. Now, there can be and there will be discussion or even disagreement on many issues concerning the church, such as methods of baptism, old earth versus young earth creation, types or styles of worship, or how the church should be governed. And we can respect and fellowship with those who hold different views on the secondary issues, but there are issues that are fundamental and non-negotiable that we cannot reconcile. They are few but they are necessary. At the head of the essentials line is the supremacy of Jesus Christ, and Paul lays it all out here for us. When we look at Jesus and understand who he is, we realize that our true God is the God of utter self-giving love. So let's break this down. Paul says that Jesus is the visible image of God. He is what God is like in a form that we can identify with. He is God with skin on him. He is God with us. In John chapter 14, Jesus confirms this. Shortly before his crucifixion, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and Philip said, Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus responded that anyone who had seen him has seen the Father. As Paul writes this defense of who Jesus is, he goes to great lengths to let us know that there is nothing nor no one who is greater than Jesus. Everything begins with Jesus, everything is sustained by Jesus, and everything will end with Jesus. He is the undisputed Son of God. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. In Paul's day, the firstborn son held a preeminent position in the family he would receive a double share of the inheritance and would be the leader of the family when his father passed away. So this was a very understandable image for the Colossians. The firstborn is at the head of the line. He is the undisputed leader. Paul goes on to say that all things in creation, material, relational, and political, were created by and for Jesus. So here's the deal. When you make something you have control over how it turns out. If you're building a cabinet, you get to determine the type of wood, the style of construction, and what kind of hardware will go into it. If you're making a meal, you pick the menu, the method, and the ingredients. 
You choose the recipe. When you make something, you are the boss of it. It isn't made without you. It doesn't exist without your intimate involvement. Jesus was there at creation, and everything that was made was made by him and for his pleasure. So Jesus, as creator, is over all creation. He is the undisputed creator. And as the creator, he existed before all things, and all of nature's ecological functions work, all of our body's systems work, and all of the solar systems work, because that's how he made them to work. We see complexity and beauty in the smallest cell, and as we build bigger and better telescopes, we see that the universe is even bigger and more awesome than we ever thought possible. In Psalm 8, King David, who, when he was a shepherd, would have spent long evenings watching the movement of the stars through the night, undoubtedly was thinking about those nights when he wrote, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? A major part of the care that Jesus has for human beings is the establishment of the church, which, once again, Jesus as the originator is the head. Local churches can claim membership in denominational affiliation or can be identified with no other group. They can have different views on end-time events and far-ranging personalities. But we know that Jesus is the supreme leader of every group of folks who call him Lord. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is God in flesh. He is our perfect sinless sacrifice. He is the one who came to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be reconciled to our holy God. He is the one who rose from the grave to establish victory over death. He is the one who invites anyone who will to come to him for forgiveness. He is worthy of all our praise. He is worth giving your life to. All of God's fullness is found in Jesus, and it is by his blood that was shed on the cross that we can have peace in this world and hope for eternal life with him at the end of this life. All of us were alienated from God because of the sin of our lives. But this was God's response to our sin. He didn't say, man, you messed up, so I'm done with you. Instead, he sent Jesus to die for our sins. Jesus took the blemish, the guilt, and the shame of our sins so that we could come back to God, now holy and righteous. Many times we have a misunderstanding of the nature of God. We have the idea that God is full of wrath and that Jesus is full of love. In this view, God and Jesus play good cop, bad cop on us. God threatens us with punishment, and Jesus talks him out of it. But when we understand that Jesus is truly God with us, fully God in human form, we find that when we look at Jesus, we realize that the true God is the God of utter self-giving love. We did him wrong, and our wrong called for punishment. 
But God's love made a way for us to be reconciled to Him, not by saying that our sin was no big deal, but by the punishment that we had coming to us being inflicted on Him instead. God's only aim is to reconcile mankind to Himself in Jesus Christ, which proves that there is no limit to His love and that reconciliation extends to all the universe in earth and heaven alike. The aim of reconciliation is holiness. To wipe our slate clean without expectation of a changed life is just the enabling of bad behavior. When we understand what God did for us, it should be our desire to do all we can do for Him. His gift to us is far greater than any gift that we can give to Him, but we should give what we have to offer. Freedom doesn't mean freedom to do anything I decide to do without repercussions. With freedom comes the responsibility to stand fast in the faith. A lot of us are like the guy in the opening story. Jesus shows up in our situation, and if we don't know who he is, we will tell him to leave. But when we know who Jesus is, we want him to hang around, not just as someone who is handy to have close by, but as someone who will direct us through every situation of our life. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the I'm Still Learning podcast. If you find this podcast interesting, won't you please share it with a friend? Also, let me know what you think. Find me on Facebook or Instagram under my name, Randy Whitlow, or send an email to rbwhitlow at me.com. Until next week, I'm Randy Whitlow, and I'm still learning.